It's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you all. I want you to know that your reputation precedes you. Uh, I was at a pastor's meeting just recently, and uh, a lot none of the pastors here were able to be at that meeting, but the pastors were bragging about the work that's being done at C3. There was a, a pastor that was new to the area, and he was speaking about C3 and about how uh, your efforts to help some of the people in the community have really uh, made a difference and an impact in their lives. Uh, C3 also has made an impact in my life and also uh, my wife Jill's life, uh, our staff's lives as well. We want to thank you guys for that. We feel like we're at home. We feel like we're amongst family. It's a, a pleasure and an honor to give uh, Pastor Jean and I'm going to say it, Pastor Heather. I know that some of us won't like, uh, she probably wouldn't like that if I said that. <laughs> But uh, I know her weakness. It's dinosaurs. She said that in a sermon a couple, or Pastor Jean uh, let that go in a sermon a couple weeks ago. Uh, what I want to speak to you about this morning, I think, is of vital importance to the body of Christ. It's something that is life-changing. It's something that was life-changing to me. When I first came to Christ, I was a radical atheist. Uh, I didn't believe in a God. I didn't believe that there was God. Uh, about 28 years old, I came and I had an encounter with God. Uh, I was dying and I, uh, I saw a, a light and I went in, was going to the light and I, I thought to myself, wow, I'm finally glad that life is over. Life is full of pain. Life is full of heartache. Uh, what the voice said to me was, go back. And I was like, no way, I'm staying here. Uh, I'm happy here. Uh, but the, the voice, uh, which I know today was God, I'd like to say that I changed my life radically, but I didn't at that moment. Uh, when I came back, uh, uh, woke to consciousness again, uh, I remember the, the voice speaking to me and saying that I had a mission for you to still accomplish here on the face of the earth. I said to God that when I did get saved, that I was going to be as radical for him as I was for the world. I was going to give him all of what I gave to my energy as far, and my efforts and all of those things to the world, I was going to give that and more to God. So what I, what I want to talk to you this morning about is authority. I want to talk to you about authority. I want to talk to you about biblical authority. I want you to go to, with me uh, to Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. This concept changed my leadership. This concept changed my life. Uh, because in the world, rebellion is a virtue. People like in the world almost like uh, make rebellion like it's a good thing. Uh, rebellion to me uh, is what and where I was. And I, wanna, I wanted to help to share with you this morning how important it is for us to be under biblical authority. It says this in the end times, and this is what we're in. We're in the end times right now. We're in the end of the end times. The end times began when Jesus took the cross of Calvary. The divine exchange took place when he stepped into taking on the curse for us so that we could walk in the blessing, so that he could take sickness and infirmity upon himself, so that we can walk in divine health, so that we, he could take on sin, so that we can take on the freedom that Christ paid for us. There was a, the end times began, but it's still continuing. In the church age, I know Pastor Gene has done an amazing job. He's an amazing teacher. Uh, and he's an amazing preacher. The church age is still continuing until that day. That whole period is called the end times. We're in the end times. And this is what it says about the end times in Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. It says, and then many shall be offended. 
You can see people getting offended all over the place. You can see people getting offended because of opinions that they have with one another. Relationships being broken and fractured. And they shall betray one another. That's an important word, betray. Betray implies that a person was in relationship with somebody else before. So there are going to be many that betray one another, and they shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall arise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Circle that word iniquity in your Bible. Highlight it in your app. See, that word iniquity actually means lawlessness. It comes from the Greek word anomia. It means the absence of the law, absence of rule, absence of order, absence of authority. See, when I was unsaved, I had an absence of authority. I was my own authority. I did what I wanted. In the book of Judges, it tells us that the, the people in the time of the Judges, they did what was right according to their own eyes. Everybody did what they thought was okay for themselves. But there is an authority that I have, you have, we have, as born-again, blood-bought children of the Most High God, that we submit to his authority, and his authority he gives to us in his word. So sometimes, shockingly, I don't know, I'm being honest with you. There have been times where in the Bible, that God has said things that I don't like. I mean, let's be honest. Has God ever said something to you that you don't like? I mean, I read, started reading the Bible. I'm like, I don't like a lot of this stuff. I don't really want to do this, but this is what authority means. And I want you to know, I want you to kind of, if you would take some notes. In our church, we take some notes. I'm actually blessed this morning. Uh, our church is uh, doing the two services. We actually do two services. Uh, and so they're, they're over there doing that. But I encourage our church to take notes. I encourage you to take some notes because there's been too many times where I walked out of the service and I'm like, wow, that was really good what the pastor said or the preacher said, but I, I don't remember it. I forgot it. So instead, we want to make sure we take some notes and this is what authority is to me. It's the right to make a decision. It's the right to give instruction. It's the right to give direction. It's also the right to enforce obedience. And authority has become a bad word in the world today. People think, hey, some people have good authorities and some people have bad authorities. But authority has been delegated by God. It says to us that all authority is from him. So in the end times, there's going to be a lot of lawlessness. There's going to be a lot of disorder. What is antithetical to lawlessness? What is antithetical to uh, a disorder? What is antithetical to that? What is the polar opposite to those things? Law, order, authority. God wants you to have greater authority. And this is what I learned. I learned that God wants me to be under authority so that I can have authority and that he can increase the authority that he's given to me and to you. He wants to increase your authority. He wants to increase the realm that he has given to you so that it can be expanded. He wants to expand your tent pegs and your borders. And he wants to give you more, not so that you just have more, but so that you have more to advance his kingdom and to be a blessing to people that are around you. So God is entrusting to us. Remember, where does all authority come from? God. All right, so let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. And I want to prove that to you. Lawlessness is sin. Lawlessness is sin. When I'm doing my own thing, I had to realize that it was sin. It's mis sin is missing the mark. It comes from the Greek word hamartia. We're missing the mark. I was missing the mark. When I wasn't submitting to my authorities, I was missing the mark. 
Jill and I, I want to share with you this, is that people ask us all the time, how, do you, how have you done such a, an amazing work? I'm like, first of all, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. It wasn't Jill. It was the Lord. It wasn't us. It was the Lord. People say, well, you know what? There's 18 integrity homes in Estero, Fort Myers, San Carlos, Bonita Springs. Uh, the church has grown. How did all of this happen in a very short period of time? I mean, we've been in ministry for over 20 years, but how did this happen in a very short period of time? Well, it's because we're under authority. We're under authority. We follow the direction. And I tell you this is that God will give you more authority if you stay under authority. There are too many people that they have the attitude, well, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to do what I want to do. Nobody can tell me what to do. That's where I was many years ago. I was like, well, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Somebody's going to tell you what to do. If you got a ring on, somebody's telling you what to do. Uh, Thank you, sister. I appreciate that. We're all going to, and this is what I learned as a pastor. Either your parents are going to tell you what to do. Your pastor is going to tell you what to do. Your teacher will tell you what to do. I go to minister. I've been ministering in the jails for 20 years in the prisons. Well, the correctional facility will tell you what to do. Somebody somewhere along the line is going to tell us what to do. Jill and I are blessed because this is what we sowed to our authority. We sowed obedience. We sowed submission. Submission is not subjection, family. Submission, I want you to know this, always comes willingly. And a husband and a wife in the marriage, people are like, well, I'm not going to submit to anybody. I want to tell you this, is that there isn't a woman alive that doesn't want to submit to a man that is fully on fire for God. A woman was created to follow the man as he submitted to God, willingly going after God. There isn't a woman alive. I listened to many women. There was a woman that said to me, I would give anything, and they were very wealthy. I would give anything. I'd give it all away if my husband would just submit to the Lord. I was like, wow, the desperation. Jill and I are blessed because we sowed faithfulness and honor. There was times where my authority, my spiritual authority, told me things I didn't agree with. Actually, a lot of times. But I had to choose at that moment, just like Joshua. Joshua chose. Joshua was told uh, that, he, that he can go into the promised land. And Moses makes a big mistake. He listens to the ten spies that deliver an evil report. What's an evil report? An evil report is anything but what God says. So he delivers, they, the ten spies deliver an evil report. Moses listens, and this is what the amazing thing about Joshua. Joshua obeys Moses. And a mistake. I didn't say sin. I said a mistake. Some people in the body of Christ are like, well, I'll follow the pastor as long as he doesn't ever make a mistake. Some people, I've been in churches. I remember a lady, she came to me. She's like, well, I haven't tithed in two months because I wanted to, to uh, make you know that I am upset with you. I was like, lady, that's control and manipulation. That's witchcraft. You don't withhold your tithe. Actually, she gave me the check. I slid it back to her. I said, you need to put that into the offering envelope because you know what? Your heart is not right. You, 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 you're doing this unto the Lord as an act of worship. It's not for me. It's for Him. We're blessed because we sowed that authority. Now people come. We have such loyal and faithful people that serve. Our sister was just sharing that. Uh, we have men that 
if we call, and pastors, and so many faithful people. There, people remark because there's pastors that have been pastoring for 30 years, but yet they submit to Jill and I in the direction that we're going in as God has called us into, to have that role in Integrity Church. I want, I want that for you. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. This is, if, we, if we sow submission, if we sow honor, if we sow respect and authority to God, then you're going to reap it. We're going to reap it in our families, in our marriages, in your leadership, in your own ministry. Let's go to Romans chapter 13, verse 1. I know that I've spoken, I've been a pastor. I never decided, hey, one day I'm going to be a pastor. Actually, uh, my story and Pastor Gene's story are very similar. I took a $50,000 a year pay decrease the first year I went into ministry 20 years ago. I was like, wow. You know, but is it the Lord or not? And the Lord, he's the authority. In Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says this, Let every soul be subject. Submit. Hupotasso is the Greek word. Be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. God has put people into place, into position, especially in the body of Christ. In Romans 13, 2, it says, Whosoever therefore resists the power, or resists the authority, resists the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. They're going to receive the consequences of their own disobedience. There are times where uh, people have been ordained and put into place, and uh, they're not where they're supposed to be. Hupotasso is the Greek word for subject. And this is what it means. It's a military word. Is that every person is in their place. Every part is in their place. Every person is there. Nobody is AWOL, absent without leave. Because you know what? Every part matters. Everybody's contribution makes a difference. Every part doing their part so that the kingdom can be advanced. In this statement that we're talking about, about military rank and being in our place. There have been times as a church, let's, let's put it in the beginning of the church, Jill and I, there wasn't somebody at the door. The greeter, I want you to know this, is probably the most important position in the church. If I could be anywhere, I would be at the place greeting everybody. That's the first impression for the body of Christ to people. Every person is important. The sound man is important. There's been times where, the, thank you for doing a great job, John. Thank you guys. But You know what, because sometimes the only time you hear from uh, uh, about the 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 sound man or the person on the tech, I was one of those people. The only time you hear anything is when something goes wrong. But thank you guys for doing what you do. And thank you for being here early. And Dustin, thank you for being here. And, and you know, during the week and making the sacrifices. Everything that you do all during the week sets it up. Because the parts that are sometimes the most valuable are the parts that are not seen. Sometimes people think the, per- the person that's seen is the most valuable. No, 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 no. We're all valuable. Everything that we do is an act of worship. So it says uh, in the scriptures, a word is a word. There's a word that's spoken of often. I thought, well, you know what's the most important thing in the gospel? Is it discipleship? And I'm a discipleship person. I'm about training people and discipling them. 265 times the word disciple is used in the Bible. Is it believer? Does God want believers? I think it's used five times. Christian was a derogatory term. It was just meant as like a, a knock against the believers that were following. They call followers the way. That's used, I think, three times. 
Do you know what's used 7,836 times in the Bible? What word is used? It's, is it love? It's Lord. Lord. He is Lord. What does that mean? It means absolute and final authority. It means that I ought not to have any opinion but what my Lord tells me to speak and to share. This morning, this message is not my message. I'm just a vessel. I want you to forget hey, who I am. I'm a nobody. But when I'm attached to Him, just like you, we can do anything. My, de my determination in that song, I said this before that he had that song, Nobody. I want to be a nobody that tells everybody and anybody about somebody, and that somebody is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that's for you too as well. So that word 7,836 times is used. Lord, He's trying to get across to us that He's the authority. Think about this now. Jesus, the Son of God. What did he say when he's on the face of the earth? He said, I do nothing but what I see myself do? No, the Father do. So Jesus was a man, the Son of God, fully man, fully God, under submission to the Father's will. Man, that's powerful. So if we will follow the example that Jesus set, we will submit to our authority, our spiritual authorities, and, and we'll follow their example. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and we need to know this because this is what we're going to be challenged with. The original mandate that was given to Adam, and Adam was somebody that had a delegated authority, and he messed it up. He messed it up. He abused the authority. And yes, people can abuse authority. That doesn't make God bad. That just means that man falls short. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says, And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful. I have that highlighted in my Bible. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and every, over every other living thing upon the earth. Replenish. Be fruitful. Multiply. All of those words are about increase. God wants increase in his kingdom. Matthew 25, he wants you to increase in your realm. He has given to you a realm. He has given you dominion, a place, a territory. This is what the word dominion means. It means, it means a place of authority, a realm that God has given to you and to I. The kingdom mandate is to bring increase. Somebody who is a surgeon, and actually, uh, actually an amazing surgeon in this area, if I told you his name, you'd be like, whoa. He's a, but he came to me one day, he was a, he's a member of our church, and he said, you know what, Rob, really, cancer really is, it's a cell doing its own thing. I was like, whoa, man, that's amazing. You know, so, so me doing my own thing, I would become a cancer in the body. God wants me to be under authority, following the direction. So when, the reason why Jill and I were, reap such honor and such respect is because when we were serving, we would show honor and respect towards our authority. There was, as long as they didn't ask us to do anything that wasn't sin, as long as Pastor Gene asked, if I was a member of this church, as long as Pastor Gene asked me to do something that wasn't sin or violated my conscience, I'd be there and do it. Because I'm meant to submit and to follow and to, to uh, be a part of and to uplift his arms and, and Pastor Heather's arms. 
I don't want to be doing my own thing. I want to be doing His thing. You want to do His, you want to do his thing. That's why you're here this morning. You want to see God increase in your life. You want to see God increase in His region, in His area. And I tell you, He is. I tell you, He is. We've all had bad authorities. But you know what? You learn sometimes from having a bad authority. So you, what you learn is this, is I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to abuse the authority that God gives to me. I'm going to be faithful with that authority. I'm going to be a good example because you know what? There's been some bad examples. It's cliche for pastors to run away with a, a, a worship leader. It's cliche in the body of Christ. But you know what? So what we want to do is we want to be a good example to the people in the body, right? We want to wear authority well. We want to wear authority well. So what's the difference between dominion and authority? Dominion is this. Because that's what God called you to. God called you to have dominion, brother. Called you to that. There's a realm, a territory that you are called to have. So this is what it's like. Dominion is, I wrote it down for you. If we could put that up there. Dominion is a territorial power assigned by God. It is the area of ownership or greatest stewardship. It is a realm or jurisdiction. A police officer has a jurisdiction. So if he's operating in his jurisdiction, he has authority. But if he's in another jurisdiction, he doesn't have authority. He has no power to make decisions, give instruction, if he's not in his area of authority. I have a lot of authority outside in different areas, but I come here. I'm submitted to Pastor Gene. Pastor Gene wants me between this speaker and this speaker. I'm going to stay within that speaker. Pastor Gene wants me to speak for 30 minutes or less. I'm going to speak for 30 minutes or less. It's not a move of God for me to go for an hour and a half and disregard the authority. That's resisting the authority. I'm going to follow the instructions that are given to me. Why? As an act of worship to the Father. As an act of worship and not be rebellious, not, not do my own thing. If somebody, what's your name, brother? Tyler. Oh, sorry for pointing out there, but you just, you just stand out to me. So Tyler, if somebody, you, 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 you have a home, right? Okay. Well, sometimes the, the bank lets us think we have a home, but that's where I am. The bank lets me think I have a home, but I have a mortgage on it. So, but if somebody came to Tyler's home, and Tyler's wife says, I wanted this color. Let's say, what's the color that you like, ma'am? Miss? Pink. Okay. That's my wife. My wife. Sorry for putting you. But if, I, if I'm the painter and somebody, Tyler tells me, paint it pink. Because my wife wants it pink. But I, and I show up that day and I'm like, well, you know what? I don't really like the way that Tyler decided the color. I'm going to paint it blue. I like blue. I'm never going to be invited to paint Tyler's house again. In fact, Tyler might have a conversation with me after the house is painted. He might be like, but that's his realm. That's his territory. That's dominion. You, I would be a person who is delegated authority. If he gave me the key to the house to paint the house the color that he wanted, he has dominion. I would have authority, the right to make decisions as long as they lined up with what Tyler wanted. That's the difference between dominion and authority. And, and you can only give authority to somebody if you have dominion. You can't, give, you can't give authority to somebody unless you have dominion. So as believers, if we're faithful with the area of dominion, God will bring increase to that. Being faithful with it. We have, we have dominion. Finances, we have dominion. Be good stewards over it and sow into the kingdom and God will bring increase to it. So I want to be faithful to that. I want to be faithful. I want you, we want to be faithful to that. We want to understand it. 
I love what Watchman Nee said. Watchman Nee. How many of you are familiar with Watchman Nee? By a raise of hands. Okay. Well, Watchman Nee was a, a megachurch pastor before they had megachurches. Watchman Nee was somebody who was really used by God. He was the keynote speaker for a major convention or conference. And he was, he was brought up and he was told, in the, he walked into the room. And some, because he was wearing a tuxedo and he had a bow tie, somebody thought, well, you know what? He must be one of the waiters. So he tells, the, one of the maitre d's tells him, he says, hey, you, take that table over there. Watchman Nee, he took the table and he brought it over there. He said, this is what Watchman Nee said. This is why God promoted him so much. He says, when I walk into a room, I immediately find out who is in authority in that room and I submit to that authority. So he walked into the room. Later on, they called up the keynote speaker and he was delivering the message. The guy was, can you imagine being that guy? He was like this. I call, he's like, I'm thinking I lost my job. But Watchman Nee wasn't doing it because he, he, that person was his boss. He has a boss. Kyrios, Kyrios, Lord. He was doing his an act of worship. Let's go on and let's find some examples uh, as we look at some of the lives of the men that made good, uh, were good examples or bad examples. Saul was once the anointed of the Lord, but he lost his kingdom. The reason why he lost his kingdom is in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 1 Samuel chapter 15 is that he was not supposed to offer the sacrifices. But Saul decided because the people were putting pressure on him, he's like, well, I'm going to do it because I felt like I needed to do it. And Samuel came to Saul and told him, you lost your authority. You lost the kingdom. That's what I want to guard us. That's what the Lord wants to guard us. He wants to protect our authority. Joshua was allowed to enter into the promised land later on. There was only two people that entered into the promised land. It wasn't Moses. Moses got to see it. He didn't enter in. Joshua and Caleb were the ones that delivered the report that they could go in and that they could take the land. So they got blessed because of it. Daniel was put into position. See, as believers, can we submit to even a pagan boss? Can God, do we trust God enough? This is, I want to trust God. We want to trust God enough to even use a pagan boss. Daniel did. He didn't have just one pagan king, two pagan kings. He had three pagan kings. And because he submitted to them and he didn't compromise his values as he was, God promoted him so much so that he became second in command over Egypt. I say that for this house. I say that there's great increase in promotion for those people that will submit to godly authority. I say that God is not done with you. God wants to shock and amaze the Philistines, the unbelievers, with the goodness of God as he pours it out upon your life. But he's not going to give it to somebody who's going to paint his house a different color. He's going to give it to the person who is going to be faithful to follow his word and to submit willingly to the godly authority that God has put in place. There's a difference now, family, between leading and ruling. And we're going to put those up for you. So I, I said that earlier, but earlier, we'll keep that slide up. Authority is basically the right to make a decision, the right to give instruction, the right to enforce obedience. So if we have a child, you know what enforcing obedience is like. You know, leading is this. Leading is telling your son. I'm not putting one of my sons out there. I want to tell. 
It's telling your son, clean your room. You're supposed to clean your room at this time. You're supposed to do certain chores. This is, that's leading. Ruling is this. You're doing it now. Not later, now. Anybody ever been there? Uh, come on, let's, anybody, anybody? Don't leave me out to dry. Come on, we can, we're, have you ever had to? Okay, so praise God. Thank you, sister. Thank you over there. So that's the difference between leading and ruling. Leading is this is the direction that we're going to go in and we're going to follow in. And then there is also the consequences. The body of Christ at our church, we, we want to help the hurting just like your church. And we've, that's why we started Integrity Homes. You know, that's why we started the 18 location. But we learned this, is that we can absorb the consequences of other people's bad behavior. And we got to allow them to deal with some of those consequences sometimes. And that's the way that the Lord is. He says this. He says, if you want to follow the straight and narrow path, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, he says, broad is the road and, and the way that leads to destruction, but straight and narrow is the path. That's saying the straight and narrow actually came from the Bible. So if you want to follow the straight and narrow path, you're going to do what I asked you to do. I like, this is me, family. I like being in his will better than being in, in my own will. Because I've suffered the consequences of that. So the difference between leading and ruling is this, is that he tells me the direction to go in and I make it easy. This is, this is me and I say this in my church all the time. God tells me, if he tells me jump, I say how high. I don't need to ask questions. Jill and I, we left a very, a very large church where we were senior pastors over to come out to Naples seven years ago. And it was, uh, it was basically the size of a Bible study. There was about 12 people in the middle school. But God has brought increase. And, you know, we look back and see all the miracles. But had we, we would have aborted the plan of God. And I want to ask you not to abort the plan of God by leaning on your own understanding. Follow him when he tells you. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, there's a scripture that I, I, very, I hold very well. How can I speak about these things? Because I was once a rebel. I was once the person like Mark chapter 5. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. But then God got a hold of me. How could I not, this is me, how could we not submit to a God that would die for us? He gave it all. It says in Romans 8.32, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? That's your God. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall we not with him freely? He, how shall he not give us all things? There is, he's not holding out. One of the biggest lies that we can believe is that that's the original lie. God's holding out. That's why Adam went to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God's not holding out. He's waiting. He's saying, son, daughter, can I trust you with the authority that I want to give to you? Can I trust you in the realm? Can I trust you? And he, I want you're. I know the answer is yes. How many of you can say, God, I'm ready for some increase, God? I raise your hands. How many of you are ready? If, you, if you're not going to do it now, you're not going to do it later. How many of you are ready for some increase? Come on. Okay, on three, let's try it. Some people's arms don't work. Let's swing it. Let's get into it. All right, on, on three, just help me out. You know, it's like, help the fat guy out. One, two, if you're ready for increase, go like this as a testimony. Oh, praise God. There we go, all across the sanctuary. Hebrews 13, 17, it says this. Obey them that rule over you and submit. That word is a bad word in the world today. Submit means this, though. It doesn't mean subjugate. It doesn't mean beat down or oppress. It means that we 
recognize that somebody has our best interests at heart and we willingly follow them. We put our will aside because we know that that person has our best interests at heart. And I, I can say this to you as a pastor who's pastored in this area for 20 years. And Jill and I, we know all the big names in churchianity. There, you're gonna be, you're gonna be, you would be hard-pressed to tell us a person's name in churchianity that we don't know. We've met them. I've been the driver for some of the biggies. I've, drove, I've driven them from the, the place when I was a servant. I know what they're like behind the scenes. And I want you to know that you have a gift in Pastor Gene and Pastor Heather. You have a gift in them. And I want to encourage you because their hearts are pure. Will they make mistakes? Yes. Am I asking you to follow it to sin? No. But I am, am I asking you to uplift their arms? Yes, I am. Because there's a kingdom cause that's bigger than us. And when you sow that, you're going to reap that, brother. You're going to reap that. It says in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves. Willingly follow them because you know that they have your best interests at heart. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. The Lord asked me, and I'm going to be closing in a minute. I want to make sure I stick within my time. I did, if I went over, I apologize. Did I stay within my 30 minutes there? All right, praise God. Is it, he's nodding his head. Is it, is it really or am I over? <laughs> this is the question that the Lord asked me. Rob, are you making it a joy for your pastor? That's what that scripture says. I want to ask you, brother, Go to your pastor and ask him, is it a joy for you to lead me? That's one of the ways that we're going to be promoted in the kingdom of God. God is going to bring increase. I live for increase in the body of Christ and for revival to take place in this area. I don't care how many people come to our church. We tell people all the time, what we want is the move of God. You want the move of God. We want to be a part of something bigger than just singing a couple songs and getting a short word and then going home and living life the, the way that the rest of the world does. I don't want that. You don't want that. What we want is the move of God. Let me pray over you, family. It's been an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Father, I thank you, Lord, for disciples. I thank you, Father, for people, Lord, that are hungry for the truth, Lord, not just hungry to hear it, but to live it, Lord. Father, that you can entrust to them greater authority, Lord, the right to make decisions, to give instruction, to enforce obedience, Lord, that they're ready for greater dominion and ownership in their areas of influence, in their areas of jurisdiction, in the realm that you have entrusted to them. Why? Because, Lord, you're not giving it to them for them. You're giving it to them to advance your kingdom, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that as I speak over every person that's listening, Lord, that their allegiance is to you. You are Lord over our lives. The absolute and final authority. I bless this house. I declare, Lord, that this time next year, it will be radically different, Lord. Father, that supernatural blessings will overtake your people, Lord. And Father, that great increase would come to this ministry, Lord. I declare, Lord, that its reputation would extend, Lord. And Father, that you would increase the ten pegs and the borders of this ministry and every family that's represented here for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for the honor and the privilege.